Okay. These guys record a podcast every week for you. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against each other to find out who's really crying. I'm your host, Jay Cressy, joined as always by, guess who? Alex Mildenberger. My co-host. Alex, how you doing? I am doing all right. It was kind of sunny today. We're in a little sunny, sunny sunny patch in in a lot of rain, so it's very rainy. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good stuff. Was it was sunny out in Banff though? It was sunny in the afternoon. Yeah, it it, it sunned up, and uh, sunned up. Had a good time. That's good. Yeah. Um, what did what did what, what I have is to it say. sunny over? Is it sunny over there? Yeah. You got some sun? Intermittently, yeah. It was like sunny for most of the week. Past couple of days have been pretty cloudy. Okay. That's been the weather. This week we're talking about the <laughs> guess who's. These eyes. <laughs> These eyes. These eyes. Cry every night for you. These arms. Lo- the 1968 classic. Before we get into that, just a little housekeeping. Uh, cool. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake the Cressy or at some Alex Wise Guy. Be sure to follow us, subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, rate and review us. And uh, Alex, hashtag Yo. Better for September. What's your What's your progress? Oh, what's the update? Um, yeah, haven't done a whole lot yet. Uh, let's see. What have I done? Um, I'm making plans to do things. That's so far what what I've done. That's I haven't done made a ton of progress, but I've got a okay. I'm I've made some almost concrete plans. They're not right, and you bought a stick. Yet. And I bought a, a stick. Rubber stick. It's made of rubber. Yeah. What are you gonna do with that stick? Uh, twist it around. Okay. And 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 bend it. You had to buy a stick for that? It's kind of, it's like a resistance thing. So right. it's like particular resistance on the, you like twist it around for your, your wrists. Wrist assistance. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, Alex. Oh, thank you. Well, I've made my, uh, my uh, hashtag better for September goal to make this uh, podcast better. That's what All I'm right. Doing. What are we going to do to make this podcast better? Well, the first thing I've done is I have started up a podcast email. Oh. You can now email us at covermepod at gmail.com. That's covermepod at gmail.com. And yeah, send us questions, send us send us things. Come talk to us, because apparently nobody wants to fucking do it on Twitter, so I feel maybe if I open up the avenue to accept the, the classic a little bit, a little bit more private. email. Even your grandma has email, so surely if people want to talk to us, they'll do it through this. Make a Gmail Just... account. If you don't know how, hit us up on Twitter. We'll walk you through it. <laughs> So I might make not. A Twitter account? Hit us up on Gmail. Yeah, it's one. I mean, you got to have one or the other, right? That's it's right. the present. And there's more, more to come on that hashtag because it's better for September. So that's gonna be for the next two months. We're just gonna be we're gonna become the greatest podcast alive. So that's, that's been our uh, that's been our housekeeping. We are now coming back to the regular episode. The Guess Who, 1968. They released this song. And then in 1969, it came to the U.S. They're a Canadian band. It's, uh, it'll be the day after Canada Day when you're hearing this. If you listen to our episodes the day they release, released. So this is our Canada Day special. So we had to do a 
I, I, I've always considered them a pretty Canadian group, as far as even hey. Canadian groups go. Maybe How, why is do you, that? I don't know. That's just what, like, my mind tells me sometimes. Do they is have it a song? From Winnipeg, and you feel bad for them? Probably. I mean, what else would it be? I'm trying to think if they have. I mean, they have the song "American Woman," which is kind of yeah. like obviously it's about an American woman, but it's kind of from this non-American perspective. So that's I guess that's right. I've defined them as Canadian in terms of their non-Americanness. Right, because they have a, a the sort of that's good, and that's their big hit too. And we didn't do that one specifically because it says American Woman. Though thinking in hindsight, we could have easily bundled Independence Day and Canada Day into that one song. That's true, but we, we were not up, Alex. thinking that. No, it's too much. No, it's too efficient. God, that would have been. We're so not good, about efficiency though. here. Tune in next year to hear us talk about the Guess Who American Woman around this time. Look forward to it. Only so this, 52 episodes so away. This one charted at uh, number seven which w- in, on the Canadian billboards, which allowed them to get U.S. distribution, where it peaked at number six on the Billboard pop charts. Um, which is even better. Randy Bachman is responsible for writing the piano chords, and the original title of this piece was These Arms. Are they also crying? No, they long to hold you, hold you again. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was... I hang on. I lost my train of thought, but it's coming back. So I have a like best of that is the guess who and some other stuff from right. Burton Cummings and Randy Bachman. And it has after the song Sour Sweet, it has like a whole section where it does there's like a voice, it's like an ad. And it's like the Canadian invasion starts where England's left off and it just talks about like how these eyes kicked off the Canadian invasion. And and Nice. And like then it says dig it on RCA records and stereo eight cartridge tape. Like it's it's old. It's an old ad. Yeah. But but it's it's fun because they talk about this Canadian invasion, which I had to look it up just to see who was who was involved. And yeah, there was who a bunch of Canadian invaders. Apparently Anne Murray. Um Anne Murray. Yeah, Gordon Lightfoot. That was foot, it. Oh, okay. Gordon Lightfoot. That's how I say foot. Gordon. I don't say Lightfoot. Um, and Neil Young also, but like solo Neil Young, and Frank Mills. I have a Frank Mills record, Music Box oh, yeah. Dancer. Yeah. I, I visited um, an old abandoned Frank Mill once. And and what, how was that? What did it? Did those those are dangerous because they can catch on fire because of all the ground up Frank in the air. <laughs> yeah, That's, it's uh, yeah. You got to be careful. You know, there's it was a real a lot of history there. You could tell. Well, the yeah. Well, I mean, to be totally straight with you, I I don't know if I would go in one. It's too dangerous. I know what the thing is. Is I didn't even know who Frank Mills was at the time, so I just went in there, no understanding weird, of what I was looking at. Lots of like piano, and then it caught on fire. That's right. Yeah. And uh, let's see, who else? Uh, April Wine was involved. Oh, yeah. The Five Man yeah. Electrical Band. <laughs> five Man uh, Electrical Band's Canadian? They're probably yeah. Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, and the Stampeders, who mm-hmm. I saw uh, last week, actually. That's right. How was that? Um, that was... It was, a, it was a good time. I had a good time. They're, they're like, old. They're, like, in their 70s. 
Um, noise. One of them has clearly aged much better than the other two. Um, Who's that? The drummer. His name is Kim Burley. Kim Burley. Yeah. But he can still <laughs> sing. Like, if you know the song, if you know, I don't know if you know Stan Peters' songs. Um, but he sings. No, name me their best like, one. Okay. Well, they sing, like, Sweet City Woman and uh, Wild Eyes. He doesn't uh, sing either of those. But Sweet City Woman, I feel like I should know, but I'm I, in my head I'm just playing Sweet Talking Woman by right. Yellow. Oh, uh, you'd recognize it if you heard it, almost certainly. But um, he sings. Well, it, 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 it almost has Sweet City Woman, something like that. Is that? <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit. I don't think you quite have it. Um, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I gotta yeah, listen he's... to this ad for Tropicana first. Okay. How do you feel about Tropicana? I'm not crazy about them. No? I haven't had Tropicana Don't in a long worry. Time. Does it sound like Don't Worry Be Happy at the start? Maybe. <laughs> it's, I, I guarantee you. Try it. Try it right now. Try it. Like, Tropicana? Play the, song, play the start of the song and then just do the... I don't know Don't Worry Be Happy well enough to do that. Really? Yeah. Really? Sweet, sweet city woman. Yeah. Yeah. So that's their song, and uh, they do yeah, um, couple, couple, uh, couple fun old songs, and that guy could uh, still really sing. And the other Way two, they go, were Kim they were all right. Did he look ripped? Did he have those kind of like leathery old dude arms that you have when you work out as an old guy? I don't like think so. I was a little far away you? though. Anyway. So they were involved in the Canadian invasion, and right. uh, it was cool. It's cool, cool show. Yeah, so that is cool. And I, the only reason I know that is because of a weird ad they put in a best of album. Well, that's good. That's yeah. a good thing. Another little fun fact about this uh, song: it's we've managed to somehow two weeks in a row uh, put in a song that was performed by Michael Sarah in a movie. This is also sung by Michael Sarah in the 2007 movie Superbad. Huh. I, uh, I've actually never seen Superbad. I don't know how. Wow, that's, yeah, that's a, like a seminal comedy movie. Wait, didn't it, we do Final, f- oh, shit. Yes, that was right, also brother. Michael Sarah. Yeah, um, what a combo we did. Final Fantasy to the Guess Who, and the, the linking who. factor was Michael, Michael Sarah. Sarah. Wow, that's like, not even, that's like a degree of separation. Yeah. It's it's so in the film they he, him and Jonah Hill like go to this party and these guys mistake Michael Sarah for another dude's like cousin who can like really sing and so like you gotta sing a song bro and they're all like super high so he just starts singing these eyes and it's like a terrible performance they're like it's amazing it's great great I, scene I I just remember everyone really liked that movie and for some reason I never watched it like when it came out. We were in like because well, you hated high things school? that people liked. Yeah, probably. Well, that's true, but I, I feel I don't know why I never saw this one. I just always assumed I would, and it never happened. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, I think it's on Netflix. Oh yeah, I guess I um could go seek it out. But where's the fun? You could in go that? seek it out. It's it's still got so, it, like some of it's you know a little dated in the humor, but there's still some good performances in that. Okay, I will have to report back on that. Now, I discovered a site this week, Alex, called Song Facts that gives you facts about songs. Oh, what kind of facts about songs? 
So Randy Bachman started writing this song when he was waiting in the living room at the house of his date, Lorraine Stevenson. She was taking a long time getting ready, so Bachman sat at the piano and wrote the beginning of this song. And Lorraine, he just, the girl he, just he like, was waiting for. Sorry. No, go ahead. He just, like, went totally, like, downhill. He's like, she's never coming out. Like, he was, is that? Yeah, he's like a dog. He's like, man, for she's late. Minutes and he's I'm like, never going to see this woman. And then he just about started crying. tearing up the couch, but he saw the piano first. <laughs> so yeah, Lorraine, the girl he was waiting for, he later married. They were married for about ten years and had six children together. Oh, in ten years, that's a uh, that's a high rate. She was pregnant for like a like almost half their relationship. Yeah, that's quite a. Those are those are some good numbers. Yeah, those are some numbers. Bachman yeah. claims the song took him just 15 minutes to write once he sat down with his bandmate Burton Cummings to put it together. That's It's a pretty simple song. Um, yeah, it is, actually. It follows a very... It, it's almost got, like, a bit of a psychedelic sound to it, but not really. Like, I think it's just because of when it happened. Like, the instruments they right. had. Like, the organ a little bit, but not really. Um, mm-hmm. but it's fairly poppy, I think, structurally, because it's very much like a couple lyrics with a noticeable, like notable chorus or refrain, maybe. And then it's just very repetitive for like the second half. Yeah. And that's something well, we to see speak to some of that psychedelic nature, it might have to do with this second fun fact I have, Ooh. which is that, uh, while doodling on the piano in the living room of Lorraine's parents' home, Randy a guitarist and not a pianist, incidentally constructed unconventional piano fingerings for the openings of D minor 7th and C major 7 chords. Hmm. His guess who collaborator, Burton Cummings, a trained Royal Conservatory of Music pianist, later complimented Randy for devising riffs that were technically wrong but sonically right for the emerging song. That's always fun. When you break the rules by accident, because no one told you the rules and the rules aren't real. Exactly. So there's that, and there's uh, sort of the section... What is it? Hang on, I might have to look at the lyrics to find which part it is. It's, these eyes have seen a lot of loves, but they're never going to see another one like I had with you. That's one line that is, like, sung in one stretch that goes from a uh, C major to a D major, and then E major, and then finally in a F sharp major. Like, so he goes, like, that's the chain, covers that's all the chord these progression? keys. Yeah, and that's him vocally doing that in one breath essentially okay that is cool like it's it's something you don't really notice when you're listening to it obviously but it just kind of has that slightly different sound to it Mm Hmm. but you are right in that like the instrumentals on this are pretty sparse like each one has like a small part it does and that kind of fills out the whole space yeah there's even like the guitar part is this is like especially at the beginning like there's nothing like it, it's just it's very small it's playing yeah, it's like little sting. tiny yeah and like occasionally but it's there and it's doing its thing it's relevant i don't want to count it out it's important you know yeah absolutely it's it, it adds just like if it wasn't there something would be missing you know i do and know. then you have yeah. of course the the piano just doing that dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Which is like so. I mean, to me, that is like so iconic. Uh, mm-hmm. Piano line. Um, this is definitely one of like the early, I guess, classic rock songs I ever learned about or 
learned is probably the wrong term because I've never like played it or anything, but that I know. Right. Well, I can't imagine it'd be that difficult to. No, anyway. I don't think so. You should you should get on that, Alex. All right, I'm gonna get on right now. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. Okay. No, I can, I, I can stay here. It's cool. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Um, and so then we actually get an orchestration on this. I like. I guess I've always been aware of it, but I never thought of it until we started focusing on it this week. But there is a like string section that is uh, that was orchestrated or composed rather by a Canadian composer by the name of Ben McPeak. And who is Ben McPeak? He's a Canadian dude who composes. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that with the like, because as far as I knew, none of the band members had like that kind of uh, a background. Well, Burton Cummings is a trained uh, Royal Conservatory of Music pianist. But does that mean he can compose for strings? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I guess a piano is just strings. That's when right. It gets can down to hammers. It. It's just Remember when pianos strings. were called percussion instruments? I mean, they kind of are. In a okay, way. Kind of. <laughs> you hit them. Um, all right, Alex. You okay. win that round. <laughs> uh, okay, great. I feel I feel good about this victory. That's that's one point for Alex. So those of you who've bet on him, you're uh you've taken the lead currently. This is part of our exciting new Better for September. You get to gamble on who wins now. We're making this a competitive show. Right. <laughs> We're so traditionally aggressive, it's just a natural uh a natural next step. Yeah. Now the vocals on this are uh good. Next. Oh, yes. <laughs> This is Burton Cummings, uh, the world's first exposure to Burton Cummings, more or less. Um, is it? Well, I say more or less because like he was involved, but this was like their first like album with him at the at the front. I believe they had another song, mm. a cover of "Shaken All Over," that he did not sing on. I don't even think he was in the band at the time. Okay. Which always is it's, it sounds so different. You know, it's not. I don't even know if Randy Bachman was involved. He might have been. Yeah, because this one... So they had 15 singles released before this. Oh, sorry. This was the 18th single released by the band. It's the first one to actually feature Cummings, Bachman, Jim Cale, and Gary Peterson as a group. Not necessarily the first time for all of them to be in the Guess Who, but right. that was their first time all together. It's kind of funny because the band... I'm pretty sure the original band had like neither... I mean, Burton Cummings and Randy Bachman are like the two like breakout stars of the guess who really those are the big names. yeah i'll be straight anyway. with you i didn't even know randy bachman was in the guess who oh really i just knew that he was taking care of business and that's what he is doing and continues to do to this day every day every in, day in every way every single day um but like I, the band started i'm pretty sure with neither of them in it like they were later additions that just kind of took over the whole thing which is fun yeah it was formed by uh singer guitarist chad allen and initially called allen and the silver tones which that doesn't even sound similar Mm-hmm. oh so it, and at that point hang on this was changed to so in 1962 um randy bachman joined up the band started in 1958 wow wow and so Bachman and Jim Cale, who's the bassist, joined at the same time, and Gary Peterson, actually. So this would be, seriously, and then it took till 1968 for Burton Cummings to get involved. And that's, like, the guess who I know. Yeah, that's, like, a most different band. I mean, they even changed their name around that time. 
Like, yeah. It's hardly even it's hardly even the same thing. Yeah, that's this pretty is, crazy. This is like a what's it? Ship of Theseus kind of deal? Oh yeah, where it's like I always remember it because of the the axe from yeah, John Dies, John at, the dies end. at the end. Yes, exactly. Same idea. Where it's like you, is it like, even the same slowly band? piece by piece replace parts of a ship or an axe or a band in this case just to explain this for people at home i'm not explaining this to you is it the same entity exactly and like the other weird thing is the band's kind of still going today or like i think the last thing they did was in like 2018 but it's totally different i don't know what they did but like the original band members aren't there it's just another set of people yeah which, yeah, it's it's weird, and they're still calling themselves the Guess Who. And I think even Randy Bachman and, and Burton Cummings, like, toured one time. But, like, they couldn't call themselves the Guess Who because they didn't have the rights to the name because these other guys did. That's weird. That's, like, the kind of like the what when in Rome. How they, uh, I know, but, like, it's not, they didn't even, like, fight it. They were like, you don't have them. They're like, well, whatever. We have our own yeah, names. Like, that's fine. Yeah, we're you know, Burton Cummings and Randy well, Bachman. No, yeah. People know us. Taking care of business. Every day. Every day. Every week. <laughs> That's how they do it. So what's interesting, I think, sort of vocally and even instrumentally about this song, is it doesn't have that sort of melodramatic sadness that we might get from a piece like Total Eclipse of the Heart, which I know is like like almost 15 years down the line. But Right. <laughs> it's a much earlier like ballad. Mm-hmm. Not not the same kind of atmosphere. But it's still, I mean, it's still Burton Cummings, so, you know, he's going all out. Mm-hmm. And I really think that, like, him, the way he sings kind of carries the second half of the song in a lot of ways. Not that I don't like the instrumentation or anything, but, like, his expression. Because um, it's very repetitive. He's kind of just yeah. saying, these eyes are crying. And then doing, although there is some interest, like you were saying, there's some weird chord stuff going in there. So maybe that helps, too. But I really mm-hmm. think that his vocal performance is, is doing a lot. Yeah, well, I feel like the, the instruments on this really do just form a backing track. And then you get so that, some of that orchestral arrangement in to kind of change the backing track a little, give it a little more body. And But yeah, you're right. This is a vocal performance piece. It's to let Burton Cummings go wild, particularly near the end of the track when he goes really high up and sort of like almost gets these voice cracks and stuff. Ah! crying yeah and he really like shouts out which fits in because it's it really is kind of a song about like heartbreak yeah it's almost like he is through the course of this song realizing how true the repeated statements of the lyrics are and he's just getting sadder and sadder man just getting my yeah. chords. And then, yeah, you get that almost like hysterical crying noise where, you know, when like you're ugly crying and it goes, <laughs> like you go up, like, <laughs> gulps for air. Yeah. And then, like, and the, but then he sounds like Burton Cummings. So, exactly. It's, like, it's just, it's, yeah. You know, how Burton Cummings sounds. How Burton, and let's, so let's talk about these lyrics to sort of clarify the vocals. They're very, very simple. Yeah, there's not a lot. It's like, basically two like two line things that aren't even rhyming couplets and then yeah like a chorus and then kind of a repetitive section so we got these eyes cry every night for you wow is there a is there a hidden meaning there 
No. Unless he's talking about his third eye, and by that I mean his wiener. Ah. Uh, he's so the song is night. actually about Rondi... Rondi. Damn, I can't say names today. <laughs> Randy Bachman's dick. That's right, because these arms long to hold you again, because what are they currently holding? His ding dong. His dick. Yeah. That's it. There you go. Crack That's this one wide open. And the hurting. Um, if you've ever listened to the... Uh, the Tears for Fears album, The Hurting. You'll n- I don't know. I haven't actually listened to that. You haven't listened to The Hurting? Like, I have. But, like, I don't know it very well. Oh, come on, Alex. <laughs> That's a good album. But it's, it's on got, him. It's got a song that, uh, yeah. that Kanye West sampled. Uh, kind the, of. The, in, like, Coldest Winter? Memories yeah. Fade? Yeah. Memories fade, but the scars still mm-hmm. linger. <laughs> Goodbye, my friend. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah, I love Tears for Fears. Yeah, so uh, that is really very relevant in this song because the mm-hmm. scars are lingering. He's uh, yeah, it's a challenge to uh, to Tears for Fears. He says a hurtin's on me, not on also, your album. Time travel. Released years after this. <laughs> it's, a, it's another John Titor incident. This one, and uh, <laughs> you've really got a hold on really, me. Yeah, Titor. Okay. Um, yes. So. Pulling your heads outside of our asses for a moment. It's pretty yes, straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Arms. Original name of the song right there. These arms. Long These to arms. hold you. Again. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. He, it's, uh, he just wants some cuddles, man. Yeah, he misses the person he loves. Yeah. So he says, the hurting's on me. Yeah, so he's hurt. I will never be freed. No, my baby. No, no. No, no. You gave a promise to me. Yeah. You broke it. You broke it. So there's some betrayal. Not much that's to add right. to that. That's, that's what's going a, on here. And that betrayal is maybe uh, further explained in uh, the next version of The Hurtins on Me. Where I'm gonna, can I call that the pre-chorus, that section? The Hurtins? Um, I don't know. I just called it a refrain because like, the end was a little different, but I don't know if that counts. Right. Well, see, that's where some of the like poetry comes into this one, which is okay. what somebody on Genius brings up, is the parallelism. So in the first... Uh, refrain, we'll call it refrain. You gave a promise to me. He says, you gave. And then in the next one, it's you took. You took the vow with me. Oh. A little bit of poetry there. I like it. Yeah. But also implies, like, marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, implicit. if you're talking about a vow. Yeah, that's, that's what, I would, what I would think. So this song is about divorce specifically, but it really doesn't matter that much. But a little bit. Right. I mean, it implies and that it's it's a long term relationship. Exactly. And yeah, and you spoke it rhymes actually with the first refrain where he says you broke it. Mm-hmm. And and the verbs work. Mm-hmm. The verbs rhyme and and they it's it's good stuff. Yeah. So it's like uh, it's interesting to kind of space it that way. Where, where there's this kind of big gap, and I say that, but it's mostly just instrumentals and two lines between right. those. But yeah, it's not huge, but you, it's not like you get right next to each rhyming other. structure. Yeah, right next to each other. So and and you know, I, I guess it's a little bit more like a little bit more cerebral because you got to be like, ooh, this was way back there. Mm-hmm. Asking a little bit more of the audience, it's still fairly poppy, but you know, yeah, they, it's like they, you got to pay attention a bit. They trust us. To find our own rhymes. So, and the two lines that precede that second refrain are, These eyes watched you bring my world to an end. This heart could not accept and pretend. 
Which, I mean, good move, changing the name from These Arms, because they only used the These Arms line once. Mm -hmm. It might come up again later. It comes up again later. (laughs) But we're not counting that, because that's a repeat. Yeah, because it's a repeat with a little, like, ad-lib action on it. And so this heart, so he, uh, like, whatever they did, part of me thinks that could not accept and pretend means he saw something that he could no longer ignore. It sounds like she cheated on him. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, I think it does sound like that. And he's saying, like, I can't get over it. And maybe there is a situation where someone could move past that. I don't know. But uh, he obviously doesn't think he can. Yeah, he's like, so what he's saying in that one is like, I could not accept that that this happened and then, like, pretend as if it didn't. Mm -hmm. And now the hurtin's on him. Yeah, the hurtin's on him. We've done that bit. And you spoke it. You spoke this vow that you broke, you you dirty harpy. These eyes are crying. These eyes have seen a lot of loves, but they're never gonna see another one like I had with you. Another one I like I had. Yeah, and that's that like ram like long rambled line. Yeah. Which is cool. And of course the in uh, I mean, I wanna mention the instruments now. They kinda did better than it then it then it like they kinda got a rhythm thing going. And they sort of punctuate yeah. that. Yeah, and then they, yeah, they kind of punctuate a little more on the, the final verse or the final <laughs> chorus, rather. And they, yeah, I mean, but, they just ki- sorry. No, I was just gonna say that these are also straightforward. His eyes are crying. He has yeah. had loves before, but there's never gonna be another one like this one. And it's just a lot of, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of repetition. They say that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, in, in a ballad, and we've talked about this kind of thing before, but, like, the repetition sort of representing him saying it over and over to himself because he's, he's so sad. Yeah, and he's, he's, like, coming to terms with that reality. And it's interesting. I've been just looping this one while we're talking. The, I, the start of the song is soft and quiet. Mm-hmm. It's, and then at the end is just bombastic. He's, you know, again, like not quite screaming it, at least not in sort of the modern style, but he's definitely belting it. And like the horns are coming in, like everything's loud. Yeah, it's a good performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do repeat the first, I guess, verse once. Yeah. Says these arms long to hold you, hold you again. Yeah, he kind of does that. He does a lot of the, like, ad-libbing bits. He'll add little things to the end of lines and, you know, runs or whatever. And I think he just does a lot of that. If you listen to Burton Cummings' music, he has a lot of little little things like that. Okay. Even, like... Does he tend to run on, or a lot of his songs fade out? That's a good question. This one, obviously, this, this one, one is. This one, it sounds like we lose him mid-rip. Because he's like, baby, 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 baby. I don't know. I, uh, I'd have to double check. I feel my instinct is no. Okay. But I'm not sure. I'll have to throw on my Burton Cummings. Maybe early Burton Cummings? Yeah, and this, this is early for him. Very early. And it's interesting because I'm like thinking about that fade out bit. Part of me wants to hear the rest of it, like not fade it out. What do you But saying? I also remember Eddie Money on... Uh... Fuck, was it, was it you really got a hold on me, actually? I think it was. <laughs> Where he just, like, keeps going, and you're like, he can stop anytime Eddie, now. Eddie, buddy, Eddie. Eddie, reel it in. Yeah, it was, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm partially thankful that it fades out when it does. Yeah, it's a good amount of time. It doesn't overstay. It's not, like, short, mm-hmm. short, but it's not 
super long. And Alex, uh, what kind of piano is it on this? I think it's like a Rhodes organ kind okay. of deal. I don't know if it's specifically that, but it kind of has that sound to it. Yeah, definitely in that vein. Yeah, because it's definitely because all I put is it's not like a like a grand piano or something. It's something more electronic. Yeah. Which I think probably lends to that psych rock feel as well. I feel like the Rhodes organ plays a big role in that. I was trying to think if it was like an organ like that or more like an electric piano. And I mm. wasn't totally sure, but I think it's more like a Rhodes organ type deal. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. If you, but if some... somebody sends in an email and you turn out to be wrong, it's two points for me. Oh, shit. All right, I'll take it. Do I get, do I get two points if it is? I think you only get one. I think that's only fair. Oh, right, that's the, that's the trade-off. Yeah. So you no have one point. No, wait, shouldn't I get three? It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I just want points. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I think some of the later ones sound more, more EP-like. Um, yeah, we'll, for sure. Uh, get to that. We'll take it piece by piece. Is this all yeah. we have to say about the original? Yeah, I think so. Well, let's, let's take the dive into our first cover, released in 1969 by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. Oh, yeah which does junior walker sound like something else yeah i guess there's a lot of junior artists yeah artists. there's like a dinosaur junior band there's uh others probably probably more <laughs> uh great you yes know, walker is like texas ranger well, that's familiar. And you know how big a Walker, Texas Ranger fan I am. Yeah, huge. I'm surprised you didn't come to that conclusion yourself. And, you know, the All-Stars. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> what? All-Stars. So, this one is from so, 1969. So, yes, it's like right after. Walker, just to be clear, is a saxophonist and vocalist who did recordings with Motown. And this is kind of like a soul version. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Reached no- I would also say it's R&B, but only because it reached number three on the R&B singles chart, as well oh. as number 16 on the Billboard Pop Singles. Pop Singles. Pop Singles. And uh, it's a lot... I mean, it's still early on, so it doesn't change it a ton. But it, like... It's still got, like, piano in the beginning, but they mm-hmm. throw in, like, saxophone squeals. Cause you yeah, gotta that's have Junior those. Walker. That's him on, playing on that saxophone. saxophone. And then we got the all-stars on the backup vocals going, This us, this us, this us. Yeah, so there's a lot of backup vocals on it, which I would kind of expect from this style mm-hmm. of song. Sorry, and, uh, yeah, sax on this is cool. He changes up some of the some of like the patter on the verses, just the rhythm of how the lines are said, sometimes by adding words. Sorry, I'm just trying to think if, you, if there's ever saxophone and vocals at the same time. I don't think there are. No, he's there's singing. not. Because there is a sax like solo at like the midpoint. Well, that's true. This version is a saxophone solo, which is always you fun. You know it. <laughs> and, and yeah, he's it. got those, you know, like soul vocals that are like they're tight and they I think they are cuz there we get quite a few soul covers of this song. As I'm sure you noticed, and this one is definitely I think based in that 60s era of soul vocals. Yeah, I mean I don't know soul eras very well I'll i'm not a soul expert but it definitely sounds of its time mm-hmm. i'll agree with that 
And then there's a bit... There's... Sorry, I'm a little off the ball. Let me Come on, get Alex. my thoughts together. Doom. Um, so there were some strings in the original. This one has That's some right. strings as well. Are they the same strings? No, I don't think so. They uh, they do different things on the strings. He like, same of, idea. He kind of plays a bit of the string part on his saxophone, I think. Yeah, and the strings kind of do the uh, the chorus bit, but during the verses. That dun 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 dun. Or is that just the piano bit? Tossing stuff around. No, yeah, they do the piano bit. They do the, like, the verse bit. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I had two spaces by accident. I had to get and rid of it. They're all balanced in the left part of the, uh, Are of they? the track. Yeah, the strings? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Or listen to it. And yeah, the strings do do the the chorus bit as well. So like the strings take less of a, they're almost ambient in the original, and in this one they kind of take on more of the front roles. They're definitely much more prominent this time around. Yeah, I forgot to mention on the original that the bass actually does a lot of work. It's just kind of in the background. Yeah, but it's doing and like so boom, 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 and it, boom, boom, yeah, it gets to walk around and do a couple of fills and stuff that kind of go unappreciated it's doing some of that on this track as well but it definitely gets overridden by the strings in the mix we'll come to actually the next version has bass much more forward in it but we'll come to that in a bit this version is do you think it is it because like even the first even the original is not quite sad in the in the quite the vein i'm used to how does this one go for thematic thematically thematic? how does it <laughs> yeah I, I think it works fine like it's not um, it doesn't like um, go against the theming or anything. I, I believe this is a ballad. I, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. It doesn't sound like too happy or anything. And there's a saxophone solo, and saxophones always sound slightly tortured, so it has that. Mm-hmm. There's that, and it's well, it's interesting because he's got backup singers on this one, right? Which, like, I usually have like rallied or is it rallied or railed against? Um, I think. Those both mean something. All right. I'm going to well, say I'm usually, Yeah, I've usually railed against it, but I think it works on this one. I don't always think it works. And then and then the back of vocals do like a you. No, no, they don't do that. They go up. Sorry, I got to find the part. I've been looking for it. When they're like, ever had with you. Like they do like a oh, harmony yeah. thing. So there's a lot going That's on tight. with the background vocals too. Mm-hmm. Um, so some fun stuff there, which maybe that's not as personal or whatever, because it's more of a personal type song, but it's certainly oh, it's, not, I, I, I don't it, have a problem with it. Yeah. I'd say in this sense, the, the backup vocals are truly backing him up because he says things like you spoke it. And they're like, you spoke it. Uh, you know, like they truly they're back him up you can him. see it in a conversation structure like if he was singing this to the person they'd be like you did say that fuck you man and so yeah I, I think they do a good job on this one it's very very groovy I will say that makes you me sound old and out of touch which I am let's talk about the classmates in 1969 He's alive. try every night for you, these are 
decimates. This one, I think this is like a, an older example of just like paying some guys. I could not find anything on the classmates. I have theories on the classmates, which okay. I found from, I think, discogs.com. Theories? Because <laughs> so, there were like uh, other bands called the classmates. Okay, so here's what I have. Okay. These were the fabulous T and Beats, well-known and very popular group in Kent in the '60s. The band was, I believe, made up of former pupils from my old school, Temple Secondary Mod in Strood. Brackets about to be pulled down. The greatest success was playing the theme to a TV series in Morocco, starring Patrick Allen. Don't remember the name of the program offhand. And then a man from YouTube says, apparently they were from Medway in Kent. I know this because when I was but a nipper some 20 years ago now, I used to buy my old vinyl from Recollect Records in Strood. When I picked up a copy of In Morocco, the owner Graham was telling me how one of the band was now a builder and was working on one of the buildings over the road. So we used to blare out old classmates records to wind him up. Recollect Records is still going strong and so is Graham. Another man says, for some reason, I seem to recall them having some connection to South Africa, too. Can't remember why the snippet is lodged in my brain. And finally, a man says, yes, these lads came from Medway Towns. I think they originally called the Teen Beats, but had to change their name when signing for DECA. I remember seeing them in the 11 Steps Club in Chatham. Chatham? Chatham? Let's call it Chatham. (laughs) I think we should break up the T and the H. That seems plausible. Chatham. Many times. Um... It's Jason, Jason Chatham. That's what we, that's what we call it. Um, yeah, I couldn't find anything about these guys. I, it just seemed like a band who was trying to do a cover of a song, but like in that 60s way of like, maybe people won't notice that it's not the original and they'll buy ours instead. And boom, you got a hit, baby. Yeah. Like, Or are these another band called The Classmates? These are the questions. I. It sounds like it's from the 60s, though. But yeah, there was a lot of like sleuthing going on there. Who, if you're the classmates, send me an email at covermepod at gmail.com. Subject line, it's us, the classmates. Or something. Like, we'll we'll the decipher it. Well, send, like if you send mention me a message. I don't have to, <laughs> to tell you how email works. Um, yeah, so the base, would you say, what's a, so is this an E piano or a Rhodes organ? Hmm. This is more like a clavinet. This is more like a clavinet? Yeah. I put down, starts with a very clavichord sounding piano, I shit you not. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> Wait, what's the difference between a clavinet and a clavichord? I don't know, Alex. Oh, clavichord is like... I think clavinet is electric. Like, it's the same thing, but like... Someone put pickups on a clavichord and made it a clavinet. Ah, it's a clavinet. I see. Well, Alex, I was just going off of last week where you said something about clavichords. Did I say clavichord last week? It was either clavichord or clavinet. Man, clavs, man. It's all about clavs. Clavs, bro. There's a couple clavs up in here. Clavs. Like chavs. Yeah. That was a good joke. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it's really tinny sounding keys. For sure, yeah, they kind of, I mean, they got that clav, that clav sound. It's very, it's mm-hmm. like a plucked string, I believe, is how it works. Like yeah, you play the, and they, st- they still got a string section on this one, too. Go on about the clav string plucking. And, no. and like, it's similar, and there's, right at 40 seconds, does he fuck yeah. up the lyrics? Like, the way he says, hurtin'. He kind of, like, 
chokes sounds on like it. I feel like I heard a little spit. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Is that what it sounds like to you? Yeah, a little bit. It's got bit. like a Here's Donald Duck thing. quack sound. Doesn't it sound like he says, never gonna see another lover like I had with you? Yes, I think he does say that. That's not Which doesn't right. make any sense. But that's because he's Donald Duck secretly. And he's focusing <laughs> on using a regular voice. Yeah, the fact that he's changed his voice as much as he has. It's impressive. And he only messes up one time when he's hurt. And then he gets back into singing it immediately. Oh, of course, it's a recording. Oh, maybe they edited it, but... Yeah. And there's another part where he says, spoke funny, so take that, spoke. the classmates. It sounded like he said, spook. Yeah, get it together, classmates. So, you already said this sounds Come just on. like you hired a bunch of dudes to do... This is like the royalty-free version, right? Where you, you hire a bunch of guys to get the song for cheaper. That's what it sounds like. I mean, if you look, even the album that it was on... Yeah, it's called, like, sing-along pop jams. Sing-along pop songs, which maybe that's more recent. I don't know. Yeah, I imagine... Still, though, this, like, this is, is the version you can get that's cheaper. There's other classmates stuff on here, apparently. Oh, yeah, I looked. I couldn't find that in Morocco song, so I don't know if it's the same The Classmates. Did they have a song called It's Your Thing? Sure. All right, Alex. Alton Ellis in 1970. Let's talk about Alton Ellis. Okay. Jamaican guy. Yep. Rocksteady guy. Innovator of Rocksteady. Innovator of Rocksteady. So this was like an old Rocksteady guy. Uh, The album's called Sunday's Coming or Sunday Coming. How's coming spelled? (laughs) I'll let you fill in that blank. Um, Which I assume is religious. I don't know. The song is right there. I could just listen to it right now. And, uh... Oh, it's kind of a jam. Yeah. And he's called the godfather of Rocksteady. We've done some big names in Rocksteady. Like, accidentally. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I think we don't appreciate it enough, but... Probably not. Like, we should probably work on that. Um, Yeah. That said, I'll start by saying I like this version. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got that skank on, like, a kind of organ... Yeah. And it's just like this really like old, shitty sounding piano. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's this is technically the most stripped down version we've had of this song so far. And possibly overall. It's very like simple. And like the song already kind of has that repetitive thing in the second half, but this really keeps it like even throughout. Like it really stays mm-hmm. kind of the same. Yeah, you're right. It is very even. That piano, it's very quiet. Yeah, it's like everything's sure very quietly mixed. Like that piano, there's a guitar that kind of noodles throughout the track, and it's actually doing like really cool stuff. Like it sounds good, but I almost missed it entirely. It's kind of like high up. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's kind of that happens in a couple of versions actually, where like there's just like a guitar doing some like riffing around in some like upper registers, but it's not really the focus. Because he's still singing. For the most yeah. part. And, and I, like, like, his singing actually has, like, a a layer of sort of, like, heartbreak or nostalgia to it. Like, I feel like he's actually thinking about the topic of this song. 
but it, it's not like in like a super dramatic way, but it's more just like mm-hmm. kind of a thoughtful way. Yeah. And, uh, I guess maybe that's sort of part of the guitar. The guitar is just sort of wandering. His mind's sort of wandering. He's thinking about this, but he's that's kind of where it led him to. Yeah. It's just a quiet moment, and sort of the, the mood doesn't change, but he sort of works through these thoughts. Yeah, or something I like mean, that. I don't know. That's what I thought of. Just no, now, yeah. I'll, just now I'll that we're talking that. about it. And then he also does his like ooh sounds. Yeah, he does. He does some woo woo woos, which I thought were very good as well. Yeah, but like other than that, it's it's pretty even throughout. And uh, mm-hmm. I agree. I think we need to develop a, a better appreciation of Rocksteady. But this was solid. But it yeah, also sounds is... like like it's old, and I assume their recording equipment was not that great because it definitely sounds sounds rough. In a lot of yeah, places. there is a bit of uh, just like sound quality loss. Oh yeah, I'm just right near the end. The guitar starts to do some some cool shit too. Do, 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 do. And you almost like don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like grooving like... along, and like there's things happening. Yeah, it's almost hypnotic. This one. Mm-hmm. Gets you into a Should... contemplative uh, ad- attitude. Attitude, yeah, I will say that that is a good take on the topic of this song, the theme. So let's jump into Stranger Cole in 1971. Who actually entitled this song, Crying Every Night, Brackets These Eyes. Yeah, this is kind of a different song, but it uses like a these eyes hook sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a sample. Yeah, almost. And he's another Jamaican singer. He sometimes goes by Strange Jaw Cole. Like Strange J-A-H Cole. J-A-H. Ooh. Yeah. Because like, cause like, yeah. Because Stranga is a little like, bit. Jaw ja feel me. Would look weird and maybe people would say it wrong. Yeah. So I actually found the lyrics for this one on a website called Jaw Lyrics. Jaw. So th- shout out Jaw Lyrics for existing. Yeah. I... So, always with these versions, I find it's so hard to actually get the lyrics for the cover song without transcribing it myself, right? I'm sure you run the same problem. When it's, when it's a, I mean, this is another old like Jamaican version. Mm-hmm. So, or from it's, around it's, the same time. Yeah, I think it's also technically rock steady. I think so as well, because it's definitely, like, it's faster than I would expect from reggae. Mm -hmm. And it's old enough that it's not, like, fusion-type deal, like, like I would expect faster reggae potentially nowadays. Yeah. But not So, lyrically, the content of this song shifts from being a man sort of lamenting uh, a lost relationship to Mm -hmm. being uh, sort of, like, lovers separated who are morning that so the backup vocals on this are ladies saying these eyes crying every night for you and then he his lyrics his verses kind of respond to that he says it takes a long long time for you to be mine lord have mercy which as we all know from talking about them lord have mercy lord have mercy you fill her phrase (laughs) lord have mercy it's perfect and he says so don't cry my love life is what you make it so don't ever try to break it he does and say that, and I appreciate yeah. that line. I don't know why, Do though. Life is what you make it, so don't break it. It rhymes. That's why. Okay. Well, Alex, I know don't you're so easy love. to please. 
Stop crying over me, darling. I heard now. I I'll admit I didn't write down all the lyrics, but I wrote down some of them. And the you stuff don't need that to I write wrote, them down, dude. They're on Jaw lyrics. Yeah, but I didn't find them on Jaw lyrics. <laughs> the stuff I wrote down was more more just sounded like he was talking to, uh, uh talking to a woman, uh, yep. that he was in a relationship with, and he or someone that he was in a relationship with, and he's just like, hey, you don't have to be so upset about it. It's fine don't worry like he's telling them they shouldn't cry right because he broke up with them is that it i don't know that's kind of the idea i was getting this is more like a tough guy thing but maybe there's something in the beginning that doesn't agree with that i didn't get all because he says it takes a long long time for you to be mine and he does call her my love yeah stop crying over me darling you know you know our love is true Stop crying over me, darling. You know you know every word I say is true. Wipe the tears from your eyes and don't cry. You know I really want you. I'm going to pave a way for you and me. Pave a way what, sorry? A way for you, for you and, and me. me. Oh, that's a pretty basic line for me to have misheard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, maybe he's saying the relationship isn't over? Like, you're crying every night for me, but you don't have to because... I, I was yeah, I feel like about this song. some kind of circumstance, which has not been described in the song, has separated, separated this man him. from his his lover. But he's saying, one day, one day, this will mm-hmm. work out. It's a hopeful song. It's like changed yeah. it a bit, which is cool. Which is cool. We before, kind of miss out on the vulnerability accept. of the original piece, I would say. That's true. It changed it quite a bit, I suppose. Um, but it is... I, it's more... No, I see what you're saying now, because it's more like uh, this guy's just trying to be like, he's trying to be strong and cover up the the, the vulnerability, as opposed to... The yeah, it's, he, he comes exposing. off as very strong. It's like, don't cry, we'll be together someday. Yeah. I gotta go do whatever the fuck I'm doing. So it is a very different uh, take. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so this song opens up with a, like almost a call and response on the guitar and keys. It's kind of got a really cool sound. Yeah. It's like got this guitar doing like a... And it's like really like low. And it's kind of like loses these low ends. Like it's just... I think it's just like low quality. But it's got this like lo-fi sound to it. That sounds mm-hmm. really like cool and crunchy. I dig it. And then there's like yeah. really high piano like... And there's just like... Yeah. You know? Just back and forth. So it's cool, like, yeah, cool sound. Yeah, so I'll say cool instrumental sound on this. I'm not sure I agree with the choice to change the subject matter, but I do always think it's cool when songs do this. Like, we had uh, that group who changed, uh, what was it? They call it There They Go. The original song is called Here Comes the Night. Right, Here Comes the Night. Yeah, and I mean, it's another, like, I would almost think of this as, like, a sample. Because they take yeah, basically two parts of the song, and uh, it's the early 70s, so they didn't have the same sampling technology uh, to do that. Or maybe they did. I guess you can still use recordings anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like put it in your own context. Um, so I, I don't really even... I wouldn't say they had like a, a responsibility to do that necessarily. Like it's kind of different enough for me. Yeah, fair enough. I will say that even borrowing two lines from the original song, which has like ten lines maybe <laughs> altogether, is a lot of the song. 
Yeah. You get a full 20% of the song. Exactly. Okay, um, should we ju- jump into uh, Michael Bolotin? Yes, Mr. Bolotin. So I was listening to this and I was like, who's this fucking guy who wishes he was Michael Bolton? Well, it turns out it's Michael Bolton. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know Michael Bolton was a stage name. It's like not even that different. But I, I like saying Bolton, like there's too many vowels in it and I'm glad he changed it. Yeah, Which I think he say, definitely strengthened that name. That's probably what people called him anyway. Yeah. Like it's Michael Bolton. Like, that's probably what it sounded like, so he just went with it. Right. But I also didn't so recognize him, because he had, like, super long hair in the album art. Mm-hmm. And Michael Bolton is, like, if you see him in the 90s, he, like, tried to keep the long hair for probably longer than he should have. And it's just, like, super thinning and, like, wispy. Hell yeah, He's... what's up, Michael Bolton? I'm going to be following into his footsteps. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he's, now, now it's short. Um, so he's... He's worked out the hair thing. Yeah, he keeps it short, and he's he's that guy. He did a one with the Lonely Island, right? He did the one about Jack Sparrow. Yes, he did that Jack Sparrow song, which just came like we were just like I don't know. It came up recently uh, when we were listening to music, just at my place, like shuffling. Just so you just tell Google to play music for you, and they it does. Right. And that played, and we're not totally sure why, but it was fine. It's funny. It's a funny piece. It's a funny Yeah, time. and then I always remember him from the... He's on the third Kid Cudi album, Indica. Oh, that's right. Track. What's yeah. that song called? Um, I want to say it's called Afterwards. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. And then he just, like, like, holds a note for a really long time right at the end. Oh, yeah, and then it murders the song. That's the best part. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> it just, yeah, holds it, and then the song ends. That fucking rocks. <laughs> And uh, he's also in, in Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, right at the end. Oh, yeah. Like, that's collaborating right. again with The Lonely Island. Yeah. So, yeah, it should come as no surprise that this cover essentially serves as a vehicle to let Michael Bolton just belt for a bit. Yes. He's, uh, I, I'm like, sorry, just reading over my notes when I'm like, well, who the fuck is this guy? As I like, slowly realized he actually was Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and he looks like he seems like he's trying to sound like Michael Bolton. Then I was like, when was Michael Bolton active? Was he active in 1976? Obviously, yes. But I think this was his first solo album before he like changed his stage name. Yeah, and this is so like his original stuff was heavy metal and hard rock, which I would like to check out now, but I haven't yet. Maybe it sucks. Yeah, maybe, but it definitely like I think trained his voice to do what he does now, which is just belt shit. Yeah, it's like a Frank Turner thing where he sort of did the like hardcore music and now he can do some real strong vocals on. Mm-hmm. So this one well, starts with an not acoustic that punk guitar and songs piano. Don't have strong vocal. Anyway. Well, yeah, yes, it's, it's just like it prepares your voice, like the strain of those uh, like non-traditionally like Right, you learn that like screaming vocals. or that whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That kind of harder edge. And then you can apply it to something that's traditionally softer and it kind of just has, it's like a saxophone, but singing, like it's that tortured mm-hmm. sound. Exactly. That sounds cool. And Michael Bolton does that all the time. 
all the time. And uh, so, yeah, this has got everything you expect on it. Acoustic, piano, drums come in on the pre-chorus for the first, or the refrain, rather, the first time it comes up. Bass comes in too. Strings come in when he says he broke it. So the first minute of this song is like a slow buildup of all the instruments coming in. Yeah. And then at the two-minute mark, he starts actually, like, going into it and belting. Yes, and, and like, like the, gets yeah. several other tracks of his voice singing. So it starts to mm-hmm. double up that. And, like, it's just, it gets real dramatic. This is a, where the Alton Ellis version was a less dramatic version, I think this is a more dramatic version. Yes. I I think you said more dramatic version, but all I caught was urgent. Urgent. (laughs) Yeah, I said more dramatic version, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. But I feel like this also isn't full power Michael Bolton. Obviously, 1976, not the yeah. peak of his career. So like, It's not Michael Bolton I, in that Captain Jack Sparrow song. Exactly. Sure. I would like to see him kind of come back to this track and rip it that hard. I wonder if he does this live. Yeah, I wonder. What's Do Michael you think he Bolton does anything from his days? Michael Bolton days? Or does he try to be like, I don't know who that is? Hmm, what do you think? Let's see. How old is he? He looks pretty good. He's old enough to party. Because the insane thing is, is that Michael Bolton and Michael Bolotin are two different Spotify pages. They couldn't figure that one out, eh? Yeah. He's only 66. Tricked Spotify. Oh, Uh, man. He does When a Man Loves a Woman? Is that originally his, or is that... I have no idea. Oh, Oh, shit, it is, too. He's in New York right now. And then he's going to Spain. Hmm. Bulgaria. Portugal. Finland. Okay. Um, hmm. He's not going to be close to us for a very long time. Bummer. So, yeah, to, to jump back to Michael Bolton's version, if you want to hear Michael Bolton sing this song... You got it. It's right here. There's it. really not yeah. a lot else to say on this one. Yeah, he's sort of right at the end. Right at the end. Uh, the way he ends it. He doesn't, like, fade out. He does... He does a, like, these eyes cry every night for you, and then just says, mm, these eyes... And then he does, like, you know, he's Michael Bolton. He's Michael Bolton voice. Yeah, he... And just, like... Takes, yeah. Gently puts you to rest. So gently. Almost too gently. This is, like, a... No, it's not. Is this a slow piano cover? No, it's not. Not quite. It's already a slow song. It's, it gets there though with the acoustic guitar on the track and the piano. Like we were, we were dipping into that territory. Um, it's close. Natalie Cole, can we move to Natalie Cole? I think we can move to Natalie Cole. Eighty-one's Natalie Cole, the actual live daughter of Nat King Cole. Well, not anymore, but in nineteen eighty-one, yes. Oh, she dead? Yeah, she had some heart issues or something. It was only a couple years ago. Ah, oh, rest in peace, Natalie Cole. Is Nat King Cole still alive? No, he's be so old. Yeah, I figured. I just wanted to check. <laughs> um, I think anyway. But yeah, so she is named after him, mm-hmm. kind of. Although that might be a stage name. Yeah, it could be. For both. Anyway, they're no, both No, I don't think so. Cole. Um, I looked her up on Wikipedia, and usually it's pretty good on stage names. It oh, sorry. I think his them. was a stage name. Oh, is so it? So he named her after his stage name? That's cool. That's kind of like David Bowie and Zoe Bowie, who then became 
what did he become? Something Jones? Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Which, yeah, don't blame him. No, me neither. But it's funny because it was Davy Jones to David Bowie to Zoe Bowie to Duncan Jones. Yeah. It's just kind of goofy. Um, I, don't, I don't blame him, but I'm pretty sure Moon Unit still goes by Moon Unit, so... Yeah, I think she does. Um, which, that's fun. That's a... It's quite a thing. Moon you. Sorry, I'm off. <laughs> Moon, the best thing about Moon Zap is uh, Wikipedia page is it says, Moon Unit redirects here for the space vehicle. See Lunar Rover. <laughs> um, Nat King Cole's name is Nathaniel Adams Coles. So it's pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Definitely think Nat King Cole is the better choice on that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's got a great rhythm to it. Yeah, Nat King Cole. It's got a bit of like staccato to it, you know. Yeah. Anyway, Natalie—that's who we're talking about here. Talk to me about Natalie and her 1981 disco version of this song. Yeah, this is quite like a dance version, and like it's very like 80s pop song here. There's like there's like these bass runs. There's a lot of bass runs. It kind of opens with that bump, and there's like that happens kind of throughout. I think that's a kind of a Mm -hmm. cool sound to come back to. And this one has more of an electric piano on it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because that bass as well for the most of the song actually just is like a boom, 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 boom. Like it's literally just doing root notes for most of it. But you're right that it does kind of ride off that into these little fills that are very nice. Yes. But other than that, like it's very like dance. Like there's kind of like more of a dance rhythm. Well, it's just four. It's pretty basic, but it's kind of like a dance kit, you know? Yeah. It might be, no. I thought it might be a drum machine for a second, but I don't think so anymore. It wouldn't have to be. Is it possible that it was just, uh... Ah, oh, god damn it. What? Phil Collins? Phil, Phil Collins, the drum the machine, drum machine Collins. Machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will not tell you it wasn't. He was probably available at the time. Probably. Yeah. Um, because that's what he does, man. He mm-hmm. plays drums. Um, let's see. The bass line does pick up, I think. No, I'm sorry. It, no. That's totally crazy. Strike that from the record. No, it's um, staying on the record. No, strike it. <laughs> ah! There's strings, too, but it's like a string synthesizer, because now we have synthesizers. Yeah. Kind of doing and synthy I, things. It's like kind it of a horn sound. Like, it's not like a horn synthesizer, but maybe it was... But I think they probably had better ones at the time. But I feel like yeah. it's the kind of sound that at one point would have been called like horn switch and just horns. Like, because like two ten, we actually get a horn break. Do you think those are synthetic? Because I think those are real. Um, the sound I was referring to was not that horn sound. Uh, okay. There's like some earlier ones that it doesn't really sound like horns that much. But I think I once heard like a synthesizer, like old, old synthesizer that was like, look, a horn sound. And they're like, okay, way to go, guys. That's really all you brought today? Awesome. Yeah, okay, these are horns. They don't sound like horns is what I'm saying. I'll give you that. Are you talking about the one that goes after certain lines that goes, Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes I write things down and then forget. 
That's fair. I, I'm really trying to do a good job time stamping things now. Yeah, I should. No, like if you listen about one minute in, it's in the mm-hmm. background. So it doesn't really sound like horns that much. No, I'm no. just hearing synth. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I'll allow it. I don't even know why I went on this whole horns tangent, because that's really what it is. Yeah, this is like last like a, week when you said to... that an orchestra sounded full. Yeah, but that, that was because I was reading the notes from the wrong thing. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's like it's like the fucking uh, Anchorman. Like, I'm just reading my my teleprompter. And I'm like, <laughs> just whatever somebody wait puts a minute. in front of you. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Hang but I wrote now. it down, so it must be true. Okay, what do we think about the vocal performance? There's backup vocals on this. There are. Um, I don't know. I don't think they were necessary. I think from a genre perspective, they were necessary, but I don't know. I just feel like I could have done without them. Yeah, this version doesn't do a whole lot for me. And I don't mind, like, 80s dance versions of things, but this one's kind of boring to me. I don't know. Feels like filler. Yeah, it's again, it's the problem I kind of ran into with uh, Stranger Cole is we're losing sort of the spirit of the song. Yeah, this one's more, yeah, this this is totally off in terms of, like, theming. Mm-hmm. Except, like, the last, like, 30 seconds. 30 seconds, like, you think? Yeah, where Natalie Cole starts to rip. Oh. Okay, that does sound cool. Uh, I, I wasn't super into the rest of the song, though. No. Uh, but there's a, yeah, I have bolded horn solo for some reason. Because huh. the horn solo is pretty good around the two-minute mark there. Okay. 210, yeah. I believe. Um, and she switches it up a little bit uh, because mm-hmm. instead of the, like, repeated chorus, she repeats the, like, verse section. Mm, and that's right. And she says you took a promise, uh, possibly hey. with me. Uh, I don't know if it's with me or to me. My mouse is not working properly, so I can't check. Fuck you, mouse. Okay. Oh, and she has a whole like, but you when you spoke it, but you broke it thing. Damn oh, it, yeah. mouse. Yeah. So she says you a bunch in increasing Ooh. pitch. That's always fun. Yeah. And that was like you're saying at the end when it gets so intense. That's a much better part. Yeah. And definitely, I think for that ending part, I was talking about how Burton Cummings kind of holds the interest with his voice in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because of his vocal performance. And I think she does that too. Um, but I don't think the first part of the song is that interesting. Yeah. I think we needed a better low version of Natalie Cole to, to make the ending jump out even more. Not that she didn't do a couple things. Like they're kind of more staccato at the end of lines. Yeah. The way she sings it, uh, especially compared to Burton Cummings, who is like always adding things on the end of lines. Yeah, words just, or I, mean, I think these backup vocalists in this context, like, remove from the like the heavier nature of the lyrics. It's very upbeat. It's like these eyes. Like, it is yeah, very these eyes are crying. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bud. Oh man, these eyes. I'm so sad, man. Are you sad? <laughs> I'm crying. Just, I'm crying. Just crying every crying. night. For every you. night and every day. Should we? Uh, should we talk about Randy Botchman? <laughs> Yes, let's talk about Mr. Botchman. So this is Randy Bachman. And his eyes. Um, I think this is actually from a 2014 tour, so... Yes, this is a recent we shouldn't live be talking version. about it, but... 
Uh, his first Sorry? version came out in 2002 because we have versions that are still before 2014. But oh, I see. I see. Um, That's okay because this one's like a man, and I don't give a shit. It's Randy. Yes. There's more guitar I, on this version. Do you have sound Alex? in the background? Do I have sound I don't in the know background? What, what kind of sound are you hearing? It's all good. It's all good. Okay. Um, if you're not hearing sound, it's perfect. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Right, I had a book. It's like just one. Yeah, I had a book. It's like vinyl. It was related to this. It was like a Randy Bachman book. I don't remember what it was called. Some. It was related to this vinyl tap thing. Mm. But I never... Like Spinal Tap. Like I Spinal Tap. I never read it, though. Someone gave it to me for Christmas, and I just don't care that much about Randy Bachman. Sorry, Randy Bachman. Alex, how are you ever going to know it came up with taking care of a business? <sighs> I'll never know. I have to live with that shame. The rest and of you my ain't life. seen nothing yet. I gave the book away. Although I remember talking his, to my aunt one his time. His version of No Sugar Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my aunt one time, and I got the idea that she's, like, really into BTO, to Bachman Turner Overdrive. And, yeah. like, I don't know, man. I'm just not that into them. I felt like it was just too much for me. Too much? Yeah. You just need Bachman Turner to just drive? Yeah, yeah. They just need to turn it down a little bit. I'm just a little overwhelmed. By all that, just those three, just BTO. Just all man. that business he's taking yeah. care of. Oh, it's every day, man. Every oh. day. <laughs> so, this is like a really short version. Yeah, minute 47. And it's, it's live. Uh, it's live. And that sounds exactly like taking care of business. It no, sounds exactly like taking care of business. But he cries the whole time. <laughs> Randy, Take how are you doing, man? <laughs> Every day. Every day. I go out there, I take care of business. Every way. Um, so yeah, there's no piano in this version. There's more guitar. Because he's a guitar player. But it still yeah. has that like background guitar, which I assume was his original part. Just doing the like, bleep. Yeah. Bleep. And then there's also a cymbal on the drums that kind of accents those guitar stings. And the bass is still out here doing its bass thing. Yeah, I mean, similar. He even, like, throws in uh, some of the, like, what I would have thought would be, like, ad-libbing from the original that Burton Cummings did. Right, Things from yeah. the ends of lines and stuff. But it's, like, super short, and they cut some stuff out. Like, they don't repeat the thing for very long. Which, yeah. Which is a great way to shorten it, because it's very repetitive. Um, and everyone else sings with him. I don't know who they are. I don't know who his band is. Yeah, weirdly enough, it's not the audience singing. Hmm. Maybe the audience is singing, but you can't hear them. No, it's... Did you ever think about you that? Can, you know how an audience sounds when they're singing. That's true. It always sound sounds like the audience. same. Yeah. Like a choir. Like a choir. Chore. And, um... Yeah, he doesn't do the repeat verse. It's super, super short. It's real quick. It's in and out. I'm sure it would be a... Yeah. Good live show. I don't know, man. Yeah, a nice little live treat, but ultimately forgettable for our conversation. Let's talk about Jack Soul in 2006, a Toronto soul and R&B group. These eyes Cry every night For you These arms Oh, darling 
Yeah. Fronted by Hayden Neal. Who's that? I don't know. He's dead. Rest in peace, Hayden Neal. Yes. Um, sounds like he died fairly young. He's the singer. He's the guy in the front. Oh, that's too bad, because yeah. I think he does a good job good. on this track. Yeah. yeah. We get these fucking cool horns at the start of this one. And they come in occasionally through the rest of the piece. They just kind of playing in the background. Then they're like, this is like the smooth version. Yeah, it's very smooth soul. It's a little got jazz. got a kind of like a jazzy piano. Like the piano is very jazz styled to me. Let me just real quick. It's like this one has like an electric piano for that extra soft thing going on. And uh, so, and there's like this guitar playing the whole time. Um. A jazzy guitar. Everything is smooth. It's so smooth. Yeah, I guess jazzy playing the uh, the tone on it is a little more funky though. Okay, I'll accept that. I believe you. That sounds like a reasonable thing. Maybe that's what R and B is. That's the rhythm you add to the blues. Yeah. Do you think that if Van Morrison shouted at a DJ to play that rhythm and blues music on the radio, and they played this, would he be like, "Oh yeah, right on." Hmm. Well, we know that Van Morrison likes rhythm and blues music, but does he like rhythm and blues music from 2006? Probably. That's the question. And it's Canadian? Man, I think he'd be all over this song. I don't know why. Yeah, it's um, it does a good job of the sort of ups and downs, which is backed up by the instruments as well as the vocal performance. Yes, this one has a good vocal performance as well, for sure. It's a lot of strong ones. Yeah, like he masters the kind of low subdued parts and he kind of lets go on the choruses in a way that's very unique to this version. Sorry, I totally zoned out. I need you to say that again. He's a good singer. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree with you completely. I... Sorry. He does some ad-libbing on the. Wait, does this one have the backup vocals? Yeah. Yeah, it does. That's There's saying... like, at least what you've got left of it. Oh, is that they what they that say at 128? After they say this, is that 128? He says this heart. I believe heart. so. This is, at least what you've got left of it. Is it backup vocals? Or is it just, I think it is. It is, yeah. And then an- another point, I didn't put it down, but they say, at, this is after these arms long to hold you. They say, are you leave me hanging on to nobody? <laughs> yeah, so they've got a few of those things. Those are fun. Yeah, they uh, definitely provide a little livelihood to the song. It's just, this is a good version. It has a kind of almost big finish. Like, it does the build-up to your typical big finish ending, and then it kind of just drops all that. Oh, fake-out. I yeah. like it. Especially, you can do, with the repeated, like, you can really, like, have a build there. It's almost like a... like the build before, like, a bass drop kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, you could just um, keep it going. But it just kind of like softly like lets it down. Yeah, and then it ends. And then, and they've got this like, I mean, one thing I noticed at the end was the open high hat they added. Mm. I don't know, I really like that. Yeah, definitely in the bigger parts, there's a lot more cymbal usage. Of course, this is another example of the like, just having a guitar in the background playing like licks and riffs and noodles yeah just, just like going hard but yeah. in like a technical sense and just they're like just kind like of in the background doing cool things in the background so yeah there's a couple of those ones mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
fucking Jack Soul. Let's talk about Angie Stone in 2016. These eyes. one this is more like a remix kind of sound this is like this is like modern sounding to me yeah with she's been around for a while singer on it yeah so she's been around she was part of the hip-hop trio the sequence she worked with mantronics and lenny kravitz and then she's done her own shit as well hang on a second i need to test the theory okay okay so the bass line in this version Mm -hmm. is like the same as inside out by Spoon. Or very now similar. I have to test this out. Now you have to test it out. All right. Okay, you might be right, actually. They're, if not, they're the really same, similar. very similar. <laughs> and it's just kind of got that boom, 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 Yeah. And yeah. Got kind of a more like a hip hop type beat, you know? Yeah. It's not quite a dance remix, but it's definitely like an electronic remix. Mm hmm, for sure. Um,. The the chords, the dun 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 chords, they're on yeah. this like synthesizer, and the release is really long, and it just they kind of like stay around and sort of like a- afterwards, you know, dun dun dun, dun and then you kind of hear like afterwards as they like yeah. fade out slowly, and it's pretty bright, so there's a lot of like frequencies playing around with each other. Yeah, it's a very full sounding electronic mix. There's a real. Mm-hmm. There's like one kind of synth in the back just going like Yeah, there's like a little it's I think it's an arpeggio. Yeah. And then there's like some sweeps and like fit pads and stuff. It's kind of stuff we hear a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely a very full sound. Which is quite yeah. well, I don't know if it's I mean the original had a number of instruments on it. Definitely yeah, sparse did. compared to this. But uh I don't know if it would have been par- sparse at the time. Mm-hmm. Because the second section kind of has, like, they use, like, a string synth doing, like, it doesn't have the, like, like, repeated chords. Yeah. And it just kind of has that, like, synth doing, like, these really long, sustained, like, synth pad string sounds. I will agree to that, Alex. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Um. Although, actually, they do. Um. Once you get to like three minutes or so, um, yeah. There's like a piano that plays the repeated notes, but it's quiet. I can't hear it anymore. Hmm. That's embarrassing. Well, Alex, fucking crazy. Or I put the wrong timestamp in. That's very possible. Two ten, not three ten. It's like really quiet in the background. I'll believe you, Alex. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? No, I can't. I'll be I'll be real with you. I can't hear a fucking thing on it. Okay. I think Angie Stone's an alright singer so though. Quiet. She's got some soul singing. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, man. Oh man. Yeah. Sorry, I turned it way up. Um Yeah, I, I I didn't pay a lot of attention to the vocals on this one. I was really trying to focus on like the other stuff because there's a lot of other stuff going on yeah i would say she almost gets overshadowed by the the rich soundscape of this one yeah i guess that's kind of what i got out of it too 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, although, that's right no the, dig on her part. I think there's just a lot going on in the background, and it is actually kind of interesting. That's true. That's true. Um, they also do something kind of weird. It's like, on the last repetition, they cut out a lot of stuff, but it's <laughs> not really everything, and it's not even, like, most of everything. They just kind of lose... Just, like, some things. It's like they just, like, drop half of everything, and it's, like, comes down, but, like... Not that much. Like it's just it's definitely less. Yeah, Woo! it's you can Punch tell it is a a drop off. Because <laughs> it just is quieter, but yeah, it still but sounds still very full. Quite full. Yeah. Which I don't think we see that often. Hmm. No. Um definitely an interesting version. Should we talk about Sean Jones in twenty nineteen? another canadian yeah um this is not the trumpet player i don't know who the trumpet player is but he was also named sean jones okay um and is this like sponsored by westjet like a westjet thing (laughs) yeah it's it's off his album called westjet presents the boarding sessions with sean jones and the righteous echo something like is there more it's very small. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Maybe I, I like, can't so find easy. anything. I, no, I've typed in WestJet Presents the boarding sessions. There's fuck all. He's got a, is he on SeanJones.tv? He is there, and it just says, like, hey, check out this album. It's rad. Huh. Cool. All right, yeah, so this is kind of a... Yeah, it seems to be sponsored by WestJet. The, uh... The airline. Uh, yeah, it's the Righteous Echo. The Righteous Echo. I just see a slightly better picture. All right, moving back to the thing we were talking about. So uh, David Foster says notes. there's nobody doing what Sean is doing in music today. That's a fucking lie. This version is... I'm going to come out strong against this. This is just a poppy piece of bullshit, is what I've written here. Um... I would say, yeah, this is from 2019. Yeah, this is a song I would expect here in 2019. Yeah. He's not even a trumpet player. And this is... And who who has an album sponsored by WestJet? Yeah, that is very odd. Fuck WestJet. I'll go on the record with that, too. Don't like WestJet? No, every time I fucking fly with them, something bad happens. Okay. I've always heard they're sl- at least better than Air Canada. Yeah, they fucking suck, too. The thing is, airlines suck. Oh, fair enough. At least over... Yeah, we won't get into it. I haven't flown a lot, but... Yeah. Well, Uh... I've flown enough to to hate airlines. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got here. So he changes off the rhythm on the piano riff right off the bat. Yeah, this kind of got a funky rhythm, too. Like yeah, and you get that electronic piano getting that like funky jazz piano noise, and then it turns into a regular piano. Yeah, but there's still an organ, and this one also has a guitar doing regular licks. Yes, which like <laughs> it seems like it's such like a thing, but it wasn't even in the original. 
Have yeah, you noticed if there was one that like influenced that? But I don't know of another one that was like a hit, really. The so uh, Junior sp- All Stars version was. Well, oh yeah. Well, number that, sixteen on the pop charts. That was and still like high the, on the R and B. That was still like the that was sixty nine. That was the same year as the U S release. Oh wait, no, the Junior Walker one. Sorry, I'm thinking of the yeah, Junior Walker. Um, did they have the guitar thing? Um, they very well might have. They had some they had ripping this, sax. They did that with the saxophone, so maybe that is an influence. I don't know. Yeah. There is a similarity there. But this one I'm is definitely not... This version is definitely like not a ballad, really, anymore. No. I don't believe that his eyes have ever cried. He sounds very happy about it. Yeah, especially when he gets to... Not the first one to sound happy, but... Uh, I don't know. It's it's he sounds very satisfied with his vocal performance is what I will say about his singing. Too satisfied. Yeah, and he's got backup vocals too, which is another thing we've commonly seen. It is, especially of course, particularly in the second half. A lot of repetition, a lot of backup mm-hmm. vocals coming in. Uh, there's another thing they do with the like repeated chords part. They're like ba 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 ba. Um, yeah. They start out on the piano and then like. There's a horn happening. I yeah. think at the same time. Anyway, later on it's horns. Yeah, and, and then at the, the three thirty mark, he does. It's kind of like a. He does his section. So yeah, it does the horns, and then if you go to like three thirty, he does his sort of version of the like what Natalie Cole and Burton Cummings does in the original. That like kind of vocal break that's supposed to, like heighten the intensity. And his is like the fucking poppiest bullshit oh pretty baby oh pretty baby yeah that's pretty generic as far as pop (laughs) vocals go like yeah and i don't i don't know he because he 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 even says in the original he says baby with you right doesn't he baby with you baby with Um, you does he say baby maybe no no i'm sorry i'm singing a stan peters song it's called baby with you i would have never guessed that yeah can't believe the Stampeders are more popular than Sheriff. <laughs> what? Remember when I mentioned the, the, the arena rock band Sheriff? I went through a Stampeders face. Okay, Alex. Sweet city woman. Okay, yeah, because in the original he says, I will never be free, no my baby, no. I I just, there is a difference. Yeah, he says baby. Between baby and pretty baby, and I think it, maybe baby. I'm being nitpicky, or maybe it is a vast difference. I think they're both slightly be- preferable to pretty mama. Hmm. That's just pretty my mama opinion. is contextually different as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just think that if you're gonna use it, you really should reconsider. What if I'm Johnny Bravo? He gets a pass. Nice. <laughs> oh, mama. <laughs> 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 yeah i don't know him saying oh pretty baby with you like uh sunk this song for me it was just too much yeah i was a little put off by the WestJet presents even though yeah, that's not too. like a big part of it i mean obviously they're just funding it and sometimes you got to get money from people but it seems yeah, very I good sean jones but yeah. like who who is what's does WestJet do this yeah i just WestJet do is they not fund supporting albums? the arts <laughs> is that I don't know. If you went to WestJet and they're like, hey, you want to buy a CD with your plane ticket? Would you say yes? I might. Because, like, what kind of question is that? Like, where else are you going to get that offer? But it's like, 
why are you getting that offer? Like, at least at Starbucks when they would give you, like, the song of the week, it was like, oh, yeah, because it's a coffee shop and they're supposed to be hip. Ah, of course. Whereas this is more like, hey, you could do that or you could put another olive in my martini. Yeah. Kind of a deal. So, I don't know. I want an olive in my martini. I I could eat that olive for sustenance. You could eat that olive. And then you'd still have a whole martini left over. Yeah, and then free martini glass. Sorry, I was looking at this album. It has a cover of The Weight on it. Ooh. Yeah. This one, WestJet Presents? This one has The Weight on it? Yeah, WestJet West Presents the boarding sessions. I I assume they're all... They all seem to be covers. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Sean Jones. That's Sean Jones. So let's go into our uh, our final... Roundup. Roundup or final thoughts. We've got three categories as always. Worst song, best song, and who do you think is the ugliest crier? <laughs> and Who's the ugliest that, crier? Yes. Okay. Like, who really ugly cries amongst them, you know? Of the of I, all of these um, all, all of these performers here today, yes. Okay. Alright. Or just in general, sure. Who, yeah, just generally. Earth. Who's the <laughs> ugliest crier of everyone who's ever existed? And so, Alex, tell me, Will what is the worst version? Will says it's me. He pointed at me. <laughs> hey, that wasn't very nice, Will. What, what are you going to do, cry about it, Alex? You're everyone that you saw me crying. Jeez. Will. You're still a friend of the podcast, though. Still a friend of the pod. Maybe a best friend of the pod, no. Ooh, best friend of the podcast. Hmm. All right, which is the worst version? Yeah, tell me. Which is the worst? I didn't like the classmates version. Fair that enough. one for me was the least the least of anything really the other ones were like okay or fine or whatever mm-hmm. i didn't love them all um obviously but like yeah it was just it was yeah it was the had a royalty free vibe but also it's from the 60s so i don't know Although I liked the mystery surrounding the classmates. That was fun. Yeah, I think I think who the classmates are was more appealing to me than their version of this song. Absolutely. What was your Oh, Sean Jones. Version? It's the worst. If I could erase any one of these from history, it would be the Sean Jones one. You'd have to go up against WestJet. You, I know. They'd have a bone the, to the pick powerful, with you. If I go back in time and stop WestJet from forming, do you think it would stop Sean Jones from covering this song in 2019? Yes, and I think it's worth it done it's on my to-do list my time travel to-do list we just ripped into uh it's just that and uh get get hitler an art scholarship <laughs> just just keep him distracted yeah everybody's like murdering him like do no nah, come on that's too obvious if you kill him someone else is just gonna take his place yeah that's how time works didn't you read the saga of darren shan i didn't actually there's a lot of time travel at the end. I wasn't expecting it at all. That's tight. It's only a little bit of time travel, but they talk about it a lot. Anyway, vampires. Vampires. So, Alex, best version of this song. Best version of this song. And, oh, and do, does it beat the original? Does it beat the original? Hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. What was the best one? What was the best one of all of these mm. songs? Do you have a th- do you have an idea? Yeah, do Jack you know Soul for is? sure. I think Jack Soul. I really it was it was a toss really up between that, that and uh, Alton Ellis for me. So <sighs> those, those are both really good. 
That's what I was yeah. thinking about. I was thinking about those two. Can we just the give Jack it to Souls those got... two? Yeah, fuck yeah. For being good? For being just good. I'll give it to Alison Ellis for doing yeah. a good version of the song. Way to go, Alton. Alison Ellis had a, had a good, like, it's technically a stripped-down version, and I think he fucking really yeah. gets the most job. out of it. Brought into we... Rocksteady effectively. Mm-hmm. I like I like those two versions for I guess like the opposite reasons almost. Alton Ellis strips away a lot, and then Jack Soul really kind of piles it on and does these big builds and breaks that make for an exciting piece. Yeah, they're just real good. I mean, neither of them have Michael Bolton in them, to be True. fair, but they're very strong versions. Mm-hmm. So wait, are you giving it to Michael Bolton? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I give it to Alton Ellis. That said, Michael Bolton will be the recipient of my next award, Ugliest Crier. I imagine Ugliest Michael Crier. Bolton just, just, yeah, just fucking gets a nasty face on after singing this song. He's like, <laughs> especially in the '90s. And just, I'm actually thinking of him doing that note from afterwards, you know, but like ugly face the whole time, just tears whole pouring time. out <laughs> <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, who's the ugliest crier? Do, do. Whoa, skipped for a second. If you don't want to do that one, I'll also let you do the most Canadian, because this is supposed to be our Canada Day special. Well, several of them were Canadian. That's right, but who's the most Canadian? Who's else? the most Canadian? Sean Jones, for being subpar as well as Canadian. No, um... <laughs> Sorry, and Canada. Accept accepting a corporate sponsorship deal. <laughs> Um. No, I'll, I'll I'll think of an ugliest crier. Problem is, it's kind of like a joke thing, and I'm like, I'll have a joke to go along with it. Yeah, I kind of cheated by having that one in the chamber beforehand. Mm. Is it Burton Cummings? Because he's got come in his name. He does have come in his name. And it's like you know, you cry when you come. That was the rest of that. I, not just because come is in it, it makes him a good crier. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it's like when you're crying semen, right? When it yeah. comes out of your tear ducts? Yeah. Crying hot jizz tears, yeah. Yeah, hot jizz tears. Um, now who would cry the hottest jizz tears? Burton Cummings. Probably the band members of Jaxel, because their front man passed away, and that's sad. But Jesus. that's actually sad. <laughs> I know! That's actually sad! Dude, just take the Canadian one. I set you up poorly okay. here. <laughs> you're just giving me, an, you're giving me an out? Giving me an out? Yeah. Um, the most Canadian of all of them, Stranger Cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no explanation given. Good, I'll take it. I'll say for the most Canadian that it uh, you did a good rip on Sean Jones for that already, and I bought into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the most Canadian version is Michael Michael Belotin because Canadians. I feel like they have to change their name to get famous. I feel like Canadians don't. Oh, no, they do. I'm trying to, I was like, Rush, but no, I'm pretty sure both Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson have stage names. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, there you have it, folks. That's been our uh, final review of These Eyes by the Guest Who. The Guest Who. Damn, we should have had a guest on. Fuck. Next who? year, ladies guest? and gentlemen. Who? <laughs> and uh, if you guys got opinions on that, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod. At Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy, or hit us up at the email address, covermepod at gmail.com. Subject line, this episode of Cover Me, colon, 
These eyes dash the guess who dash 1968. Can you put all those characters in a hashtag? Or is that the no, subject that was line? The, that was the email subject head. Oh, that's the email subject line. It's fine. The hashtags just cover me pod. You know how okay. it is. Yeah. Another way. Now for a bonus segment, which I uh, have hastily put together. It's another, uh, it's, a, it's an old fan favorite. It's Battle of the Band. Alex, Randy Bachman versus Burton Cummings in a oh, fight. Oh, man. Who wins? I feel like Randy Bachman's just a tougher guy. I don't know. Is it because he's taking care of business? Every day and every way, yeah. I mean, and like Burton Cummings, like, I like Burton. I probably prefer Burton Cummings in terms of his music. Mm -hmm. Actually, I do. That's a fact. Pretty, pretty significantly. But, uh, but I, I think Randy, I think Randy Bachman could take him out. Like, like that. I don't even have a joke. Like, I just. <laughs> He seems tougher. Yeah, probably. And I will say this. I was at uh, some fucking festival in Saskatoon working, and uh, Burton Cummings canceled his concert when uh, a lightning started to approach, so he's a coward. Oh. So naturally, Randy Bachman would take him out pretty easily, I think. Because of the cowardice, yes. Okay. Yes. Man, that sucks. Did you get to see him? No, I didn't get to hear some of it, though. I think I actually did hear some of these eyes. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he still sings it. Yeah, still I, actually, not, I do remember that because then I was saying it, and then Greta was like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "It's these eyes, you lunatic!" But she's from <laughs> New Zealand, and foreign lunatic. Yeah, and they don't they don't understand Canadian treasures like the Guess Who. She thought Rush was a fictional band made for the film. I love you, man. <laughs> 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 They're real, I swear. Oh I man, that's fun. Yeah. So that's been our bonus segment. Okay. Um, if you guys have a, if you guys think Randy Bachman would win, hashtag the Bachman. And if you think Burton Cummings would win, hash, hashtag coming first place. Yeah, but comment place. Don't put that in the tag. Yeah. So that has been our whole episode. From start to finish. Start to finish. Just for you. One, in your once, ear holes. Just for you. These guys recorded a podcast just for you. That's what I said at the start. I'm saying it now. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, on your favorite podcasting app, on my favorite podcasting app. Get your friends to follow us. Get Alex to subscribe to the podcast. He already does. He does. I do. I gotta get those numbers up. Get your boss to contact us about a sponsorship deal. If you work at WestJet, we will make a full album of podcasts. For oh, you. we will. Yeah. Give us money. We'll Give do us it. money. We'll take it. For a lot of money. Or less. And. Money. Hey guys, Jake here. Just wanted to mention that next week we'll be doing a full album review of Bruce Springsteen's latest album, Western Stars. So if you guys want to get a head start on that by giving the album a listen, you've now been forewarned. All right. Now for me to say something stupid to close out the episode. As we always say, actually, do you have anything else you want to say, Alex? I'm coming to the wrap up here, but I feel like I've cut you off a bit. Mm, no, no, I'm done. Okay. All right. As we always say on Cover Me. Uh, the cover's always where you last look for it. <laughs> <laughs>